Father, we offer our hearts to you today. God, we offer our lives to you today. And we are not our own, God, but we belong to you. And we lay ourselves down today, God, and we say, come. Come and take complete and total control today, God, and whatever you want for us. We surrender and we submit and we pray your kingdom come today. Your will be done in our lives. And we love. Would you give the Lord, would you give the Lord praise today? I'm going to invite you to stand with me, please, this morning and reach for your Bibles today. We're going to go quickly to the book of Matthew, chapter 27. Appreciate Chris today and Patty and this worship team. I've, I've been knowing Chris for, gosh, about 20 years, I, I think. Uh, go back. Uh, his dad was the pastor at River Oak in Danville, and uh, I was helping in the youth ministry there, and he was just a teenager in the youth ministry. And it's obvious to me and evident to me the hand of God is on his life. And uh, Chris, we just are so grateful today that you've been here with us and led us in worship. What a wonderful, wonderful presence of the Lord today. And I'll speak for these folks as well how grateful I am for the service that you rendered here for three years and the worship ministry and the way that you led. I appreciate that so much. Always glad to have some former staff come back and be with us and be able to, to be a part of worship. We've been able to do that uh, several times over the last I guess a year and a half or so that I've been here, and I'm just grateful for men and women that have passed through this place, that either youth pastor, children's pastor, worship pastor, associate pastor, whatever it was, and this church is what it is today, not because of one person, but because of a lot of people, staff people, church people like you, and I'm thankful for what God is doing. Matthew 27, begin reading in the third verse. I'm going to read through the 10th verse. I'm going to read from the New King James Version of the Bible today. And uh, we'll jump in right here. The Bible says this, Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? You see to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. But the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury because they are the price of blood. It's blood money is what they were saying. They consulted together and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took the 30 pieces of silver, the value of him who was Priced, whom they of the children of Israel priced and gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed me. If you'll notice verse 3, that Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he was condemned, was, the Bible says, remorseful. I want to take a few moments today, and I'd like to preach on this thought, the silent killer of the soul. The silent killer killer of the soul, which I call regret. Can we pray before we're seated? Father, thank you for the word today. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that's present today. God, I welcome you to do your work in these next few moments. Father, I don't have to preach this entire message today. I just want to start it, and when you prompt me to stop it, God, I will do exactly that so that we can 
open these altars and people can come today, God, and receive whatever it is that they need from you. God, don't let me say any more than I need to say. Don't let me go one second longer than you want me to go. But hide me today behind the cross and give me whatever I need for this moment. And I love you for it in Jesus' name. The church said amen. God bless you today. You can be seated this morning. Chris, thank you so much. The word regret is defined as a feeling of sorrow or remorse for an act, a loss, a failure, or a disappointment. We have the tendency to focus on the life and the times of the great heroes of the faith. Those men and women who defied the odds and who were greatly used by God. There are people with unwavering faith, undeniable bravery, uncharacteristic courage, and unbreakable resolve that fill the pages of the Word of God. But what about, what about those people whose lives belong more in a hall of shame than they do a biblical hall of fame? What about those men and women whose lives we would rather forget than focus on? Such is the life of one called Judas that I would like to preach about for just a few moments this morning. Who was this man? Called Judas. What do we know about Judas? Well, based upon the scripture, we understand that Judas was one of the 12 disciples, Brother Turpin, of Jesus Christ, hand picked and selected by the Lord Himself to be a part of the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ that would literally revolutionize the world. Peter would refer to Judas, to Judas as one that was numbered among us and one who obtained a part in this ministry. But something somewhere went south in the soul of Judas. John chapter 12 gives us a red flag when the Bible tells us that Judas was in charge of the money box. Judas was in charge of the offering plate, if you will. It was that money box that contained the monetary donations that people would give to support the earthly ministry of Jesus. And John chapter 12 and verse number 6 says that Judas was stealing from the money box. Now, it is one thing to steal from the money box. It's one thing to take from the offering plate that he carried around, but a, another thing completely to betray and to sell out the Lord Jesus Christ, the very man that would handpick him as one of only 12 men to be a part of his ministry, the very man that would love Judas and live for Judas and long to fellowship with Judas, Jesus who had care for Judas and compassion for Judas and who would lay down his life for Judas. How do you betray a man that would do that for you? Jesus was 
humbled. He was humiliated and he was hung on a cross for men like Judas. Jesus would be pierced through his hands and his feet with Roman spikes. But Judas would be pierced through his heart with sorrow and remorse and regret. You do understand that the life, the teachings, and the ministry of Jesus threw a wrench into everything that the religious leaders and the religious people of that day believed. The truth that Jesus taught trumped their traditions. It turned over their religious apple carts, if you will. It tore away their hypocritical mask and it toppled their flawed theology. And it was because of the teaching of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the life of Jesus, that the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the chief priests and the, the Sanhedrin, that 70-member governmental council of that day that, that set the religious tone and the religious system, they hated everything about Jesus. And because of that, according to Matthew 26, 3 and 4, they begin to set in plan and to set in motion and to plot and to connive and to scheme a way to trick Jesus, to lay hold of him, and to kill him. And it is that part of the Scripture that, that opens up the door for us, if you will. It raises up the spiritual blinds and it gives us a picture into the life of this man called Judas. Permit me this morning, if the Lord will help me, and I may not get through all three of these, but there are three different scenes that the Bible lays out for us that gives us a picture of the life and, more importantly to me, the regret that Judas would live with, but eventually he would die with. Scene number one transpires in Matthew 26. Verses 14, 15, and 16, I call it the foolishness of regret. When Judas approaches the religious leaders of the day, the chief priests, knowing that these people were trying to find a way to lay hold of Jesus and kill him, and he approaches them and he asks them, what will you give me if I turn this man Jesus you're wanting over to you? Judas made a very poor choice that day. And it has been my experience over the years that poor choices are usually the culprit of regret. The very decision that Judas made that day, according to Luke 22 and 3, was influenced by Satan himself, Aunt B. The Bible says that Satan, having entered the heart, of Judas Iscariot. Listen, I want to tell you something. You can never do business with the devil. You will lose every single time. And I have sat across the desk over the 20 years of ministry. I know I look young for 20 years, don't I? Thank you. I appreciate that. And I have watched people drop their heads. I've watched their shoulders slump. 
I've seen tears drip down their cheeks and I've watched them shake their head and say, what a terrible choice I've made, Pastor. Poor choices will hurt you every single time. You don't believe me? If you ever get a chance, maybe ask David. Ask David if he regrets the choice he made that day to have an affair with Bathsheba. For the rest of his life, things would never be the same again. Ask Moses if he regrets the choice that he made to murder an Egyptian and bury him in the sand. It would cost him 40 years on the backside of a desert, unnecessarily living on the backside of a desert because of a poor choice that he made. I'm telling you, you cannot play with fire because every time you play with fire, you will get burned and you will step back at some point and you will shake your head, you will drop your shoulders, you will hang your head and you'll say, if only I had it to do all over again. Judas made a poor choice that day. He made a poor choice and how how foolish of him. Man, I feel such a weight today to preach this. Lord, help me to do what I need to do today and get out of the way. What a foolish decision to even approach the religious leaders. But not to only, not only to approach them, but then to, to hear them out as they bargain with him. And offer him this pitiful price for such a powerful man. Are you kidding me? 30 pieces of silver? 30 stinking, measly pieces of silver. You know how much 30 pieces of silver were worth that day? You could buy a common slave in that day for 30 pieces of silver. For 30 pieces of silver, it was a compensation that the law would give you during that time to a slave owner or a master whose slave had been killed. Are you serious? For 30 pieces of silver, that's all that Judas thought of Jesus? I mean, he had walked with him and talked with him and fellowshiped with him. He had been hand in hand and arm in arm. Judas had been there when he raised the dead, when he healed the sick, when he cleansed the leper. And for 30 pieces of silver, is that the only regard that Judas had for Jesus? It's 30 measly, stinking pieces of silver. What a pitiful price. For such a powerful man. And Judas for 30 pieces of silver. Pastor, why? I don't know. But keep in mind, he had a problem with greed. We already know that. He was dipping in the offering bucket. He was stealing from the offering. I mean, can you imagine? If one of our ushers was dipping in the offering plate and putting it in their pocket? I'd rather not imagine that. It'd be a bad day here if that was happening. And you can't fire a volunteer, but you can sure open the door and show them the way out for a while. But Judas, I was, well, if you were standing from the offer, there'd be a problem. Let me move on. (laughs) But Judas, 30 pieces. I I can't begin to fathom that. That you'd sell the Savior For 30 pieces of silver. I'm telling you, Judas had a problem deep down in his soul. It's the foolishness of regret that day. That he made a poor choice. 
He sold Jesus out. Here's the second scene that I want you to see. I call it the falsehood of regret. We see it in Matthew 26, 46 through 50. As Jesus knows that he's hours removed from the cross, and here's the truth, whether Judas betrayed him or sold him out or not, Jesus was still going to go to the cross. But Judas just kind of expedited the process, if you will. And Jesus has been in that garden of Gethsemane on that night praying in such anguish of soul sweat as his great drops of blood. And Judas had, had gathered the, the men to come with swords and with spears and with clubs and with lights and had said to them, the one whom I kiss, this is him, take him away. As Jesus gets up from praying that night in the garden, he had taken three of his closest disciples with him, Peter, James, and John, and said, could you not stay awake one hour and pray with me? He said, let us arise. My betrayer is at hand. Jesus knew what Judas had done. Jesus knew what Judas was going to do that night. And as they enter the garden, Judas walks up to Jesus, looks him square in his eye, and says, Rabbi, which is translated to mean teacher, and then kisses him on the cheek. And in that moment, those men come and they grab Jesus. They bind him up. They take him away to stand trial for something he had never done wrong. He was betrayed with a kiss. It was a common practice in that day. It was Jewish custom in that day. If you were coming back from a, a long absence or you were leaving to go somewhere, there, were, they, they, they would, they would, there would be a kiss that was exchanged on the cheek. I'm kind of glad I didn't live in the Jewish custom. The only person I want kissing me is my wife or my kids. That's it. I know the Scripture says greet one another with a holy kiss. I'll greet you with a handshake. <clears throat> it was a way that you would ex ex express uh, affection towards someone who was your equal. It's a way that you would pay reverence or homage to, to your superior. So it was not uncommon for, for a kiss to be exchanged. But betrayed with a kiss, a sign that spoke of such affection, a sign that spoke of such love. Now it speaks of such deceit. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 27 6 that the, the wounds of a friend are faithful, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful, the Bible. Judas was not the friend of Jesus. Judas was an enemy of Jesus. And he walks up to him and he kisses him. And those lips that would kiss that king in just a few hours would be cracked with grief. And with one Smack of that man's lips. Judas kissed his future goodbye. I don't know if he realized it or not. I don't know if he was still seeing dollar signs and hearing cha-ching in his mind because he had 30 pieces of silver jingling around in his pocket. But with one literal physical kiss, Judas kissed his soul goodbye. And he betrayed Jesus with a kiss, and he was burdened with the deception of that kiss. Judas could no longer live that double life that he was living. He could no longer live the lie anymore. He couldn't take it. In just a moment, I'm going to show you what he does. But it ate him up. And listen, here's what I've come to find out. That not only do poor choices lead to regret, but some of our regret comes when we take the mask off 
And we stop living that lie. We stop living that double life. And that regret comes when you, when you lift the mask off and you look back. And you see the life that you used to live and the decisions that you made and the lie that you were involved in. Even though now maybe you've made it right. And even though you've invited Christ into your life, you've become a new creature and old things have passed away. You look back at that double life and that deception and how you hurt so many people. And regret fills your soul. It's a powerful thing. And there are some of you sitting in here today. You feel like you kissed your future away a long time ago. You feel like you've made decisions and you've made choices. And you say, Pastor, there's no way that God could ever fix that. There's no way that God could ever forgive them. You look back at where you've been and what you've done. And you say today, Pastor, there's no way that I have a future. But I'm telling you today, I still believe that God makes all things brand new. And though you've messed up and though you've missed the mark and though you maybe used to live a lie and involved in so much deception I'm telling you God will make things new for you again it's not over because God is still in the business of restoring and healing and making whole and making new again come on and praise the Lord if you're glad about that today so there's the foolishness of regret there's the falsehood of regret. Let me get to this last point. I call it the frustration and the field of regret. First of all, what Judas saw that day. The Bible tells us in the text that I just read to you that Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he was condemned, they had grabbed Jesus in that garden and bound him up and tied him up and took him to stand trial. He was condemned. Judas, what did he see, Pastor? Judas saw the magnitude of the weight of his decision that he had made and that innocence had now been declared guilty. And the Bible says this, that Judas was remorseful. That word remorseful there means that Judas changed his mind, Brother Kenny Hancock. He looked at what was going on. All of a sudden he said, oh no, I've done something terrible. I've done something wrong. This, this light bulb went off in his head. But here's the problem. Judas may have dealt with his head, but Judas had a problem in his heart. And his head said, I, I think I've changed my mind. And there is no doubt in my mind that he, he felt anger and he felt frustration over the decision that he had made. And why, why Judas betrayed Jesus, that's not the point that I want you to see this morning. Whether it was anger or whether it was greed, the result was the same. He was filled with regret. And when he stepped back that day and he saw them leading his personal friend off and that he had already been condemned, he thought, my God, what have I done? That's what he saw. But here's what he said. The Bible says that he goes back to the temple. And he takes that 30 pieces of silver. He runs in that day to the chief priest. 
the very men that he had made the deal with. And he throws that money down at their feet. And I want you to hear the language of regret when he says, I have sinned. I have betrayed innocent blood. And they say to him, what is that to us? We could care less. We have what we want. We gave you silver for the Savior. Judas, we're sorry, bud. There's a no return policy here. You'll have to live with your decision. And the decision became too much for him to live with. Judas looks and he acknowledges and he admits, I have made a mistake. I've made a terrible mistake. But it's too late. It's too late. And one time, 30 pieces of silver that looked so enticing. Now, maybe in his mind and in his eyes, they, that, that amount of money he sees and understands it really wasn't worth it because it wasn't that much at all to begin with. He drops that money, throws it at their feet. They didn't care. They had what they wanted. They had exactly what they wanted. They got what they wanted, and Judas lost what he had. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about his soul. They got what they wanted, and Judas lost what he had. And he drops the money. And he goes and he destroys his own soul and his own body. That money that day became useless at that moment. When he threw that money at their feet, if you study the scripture out, it says that, 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 the, chief, that the chief priests and the leaders of that day, they said, we, we can't put that money in the temple, in the treasury. Because that temple treasury was that which was devoted or set apart or consecrated to God. And you couldn't put what they called blood money in there. That money was impure. That money had exchanged hands, had been done for horrible, vile purposes. So it was, it was unclean and it could not come in to the temple treasury. It was blood money. According to the law in Deuteronomy 23 and 18, nothing could come in to the temple treasury that was defiled or unclean. And according to Deuteronomy 23 and 18, Money that would, that would be given to the temple, maybe where a whore had been sold or a, a dog had been sold. Study the scripture out. When those men looked at that money that day in that temple, it was equivalent to them of someone who was giving money who had sold a whore or who had sold a dog. It was useless money. So what did they do? Judas comes running in and says, I, I've sinned. Throws the money down. Do you? Let me get to that in a moment. But do, do you hear the language of regret from Judas? I've sinned. Many of you know what it's like to speak the language of regret. If I could only turn back time. 
If I had it to do all over again. We say things like, I wish it could have been different. I could have, I should have, I would have. At that point, it's too late. As Judas speaks the language of regret and throws down those 30 pieces of silver, they gather that money up and they go out, the Bible says, and they buy a, a potter's field. A potter's field. It would become a field that would, be, that would become a burial ground. They would use that field to bury foreigners, to bury strangers, and to bury those people who might have died and had nobody to come and claim their body. So the Bible says and describes it as a, as a useless field. As a field that would be good for nothing. They tell us that quite possibly that Judas was buried in that field. Why was it called a potter's field, Pastor? Well, because it was just that. It was a field that belonged to a potter. It belonged to a man who had used that field to make earthen vessels, pots and bowls and clay vessels. But they were able to purchase the field for such a, a low price because the, the clay and the dirt of that field had been so used and so worn that it was no longer profitable for business. It was no longer suitable to be used to make those earthen vessels. It had, been, it, had, it had been overused and overrun and worn down, and the clay and the dirt was no good anymore to anybody. The ground couldn't even be tilled anymore. So they take, they take this useless potter's field to use as a burial ground. And through the study that I've done the last several days, they, they feel pretty confident it was there that Judas's body was thrown into. And when I look at that field, and I see that it was, a, in their mind, a useless field, no longer were earthen vessels able to be made or constructed. It dawns on me. That while we may not have been physically buried, regret has caused us to bury some things and put them out of sight and out of mind. Regret. Poor choices that we've made, decisions that we've made. And because of that, we have found our own field, if you will. And we've buried our hopes, and we've buried our dreams, and we've buried our desires. And we've buried our self-worth, and our self-esteem, and our self-confidence. And what little trust we had left to give to people, we've buried that as well. And that field contained the body of a man named Judas it was called a field of blood, but more than that, it was a field that was full 
of Judas and his regrets. Here's what I want you to understand today. I'm going to close in just a moment. That while that field was used and the clay and the dirt was used to make earthen vessels, and while those people saw that field as useless, it reminds me of the fact that he is still the potter. I am still the clay. <laughs> and he will never see me as useless. He will never see me as unworthy, James Hanks. He'll never cast me aside, and he'll never bury me. He'll keep me on the potter's wheel, and he'll keep molding me and shaping me and forming me and fashioning me and making me. And there may be a time that he'll step back and say, you know what, that vessel is marred. Will he give up on me? Will he cast me aside? Absolutely, positively not. But he'll pick me back up, Brother Harold. Stout, he'll put me on the potter's wheel and he'll keep working on me and he'll keep molding me and he'll keep making me and I want to tell somebody today I don't care where you've been I don't care what you've done the potter will never cast you aside he's got his hand on your life and he's still working on you to make you something great Chris come please and just begin to play softly for me and I want to close We've seen the foolishness of regret, the falsehood of regret, the frustration of Judas's regret, angry and frustrated that he made a poor choice. The field of regret. He was buried. You do understand that the life of Judas and Jesus will always be connected, don't you? Because while Jesus... walked up the hill of Calvary, Judas walked the hill of regret. While Jesus carried the weight of his own cross, Judas carried the weight of his own failure and his own regret. And there's some of you in here today, and I've been, I've been stewing over this thought for a couple of weeks. The Lord just released me this week to to piece it together and put it together and preach it to you. That many of you have spent a lot of time on the hill of regret. Spent a lot of time on the hill of regret because you can't forgive yourself. And see that the mental anguish that Judas had that day, Brother Turpin, he couldn't deal with it. So he leaves that temple, goes up to a hill somewhere, takes a rope, ties it around a tree, puts a noose around his neck, and ends his life. You know what Judas did that day? He just followed through on the thought that some of you have had in your life at one time or another possibly. When you've had such mental anguish and such regret and such grief and despair and you've thought to yourself, if only I could just take my last breath and die, life would be so much easier. God, I feel the Holy Ghost here today. <laughs> and there's this demon spirit of suicide that's in the world today that operates. And Judas just followed through on it. And some of you have had that demonic spirit get on you before. Pastor, why are you saying this? Because I feel the unction of the Holy Ghost to say it today. And you've thought about it. 
if you had the ability to, how you would end your own life. Judas just followed through on it. Some of you have had the same thoughts that he's had. Maybe I'll just go and I'll put a revolver in my mouth and I'll pull the trigger and it'll be over. I'll pop a bunch of pills and that'll be the end of it and I won't have to live with this regret and this grief anymore. The mental anguish was too much for him to handle. He couldn't take it anymore. He saw that he betrayed innocent blood. He said, I've sinned, but then he suffered. He suffered with the decision and it became too much. He couldn't do it. He couldn't bear it. much for him. He walks that hill, puts that noose around his neck, and he's gone. And while Jesus walked the hill of Calvary, Judas walked the hill of regret and failure. And while Jesus carried the weight of his own cross, Judas carried the weight of his regret. And we spent a lot of time on that same hill hill of regret because we can't forgive ourselves we talk all the time about forgiving those who have hurt us but when do we get to the point we look in the mirror and say I forgive you so up the hill we trudge wounded and weary hearts wrestle with unresolved mistakes Sighs of anxiety, tears of frustration, words of rationalization, moans of doubt. And up the hill we trudge. If only I had it to do all over again. If I could turn back time. I should have, I could have, I would have. If I could do it over again. If God would just give me one more chance. If I could just go back and do it over. But you, you can't. Two trees that day. Two trees that day. On one tree, there's a noose that's hanging around that tree that at one time held the body of Judas, a man full of regret. On the other tree, there is no noose around that crossbeam because there is no death on that tree anymore. One time was enough. One death for all of mankind. And if only Judas... If only Judas had looked to that adjacent tree that day. If only he had looked to that adjacent tree that day that was beside the tree of despair, he would have seen a tree of hope. He would have seen, he would have seen a tree of deliverance in the form of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. If only he had looked. He didn't have to die that way. He didn't have to die that way. He trudges up that hill, puts that noose around his neck, and deals with his own regret and his own failure in a way that cost him greatly. But if only he had looked over. I believe somewhere on top of that hill, possibly, I'm just imagining he could see those three crosses on the other hill. I just believe that maybe he could. I can't prove that, but I'm just imagining and if only before he slipped that noose around his neck, if only he had looked over, he would have seen all is not lost. All is not gone. 
Hope is still here because there's a tree of hope. There's a tree of deliverance. And I'm telling you today, you don't have to live with regret. You don't have to live with sorrow in your soul. You don't have to live burdened down by past mistakes. If you'll just come to the cross, there's deliverance at the cross. There's hope at the cross. There's joy at the cross. You don't have to die on that tree with your spiritual life being strangled out. You can come to the other tree. You can come to the old rugged cross and find deliverance and healing for your soul. Stand up on your feet all over this building, please. Would you? I feel the Holy Ghost in here today touching somebody's life. Raise up your hands, would you please? I just ask you respectfully and kindly to raise up your hands and wait for one moment with me and welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit today.